This episode of the EV Resource Podcast is brought to you by Titan Auto and Tire. Titan has some of the very few independent auto repair shops in Central Virginia that are qualified to work on EVs and hybrids. And from hybrids to Hummers, they fix everything. For more information and to schedule an appointment for your vehicle, go to TitanAutoTire.com. Coming up this episode, we're catching up on the latest EV headlines that you might have missed from the last week. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 148 of the EV Resource Podcast. I'm Zach Hurst, and each week I bring you the latest EV news, information, and interviews with industry experts. This is going to be another midweek, quote-unquote, catch-up episode. I've got 10 EV stories lined up, and we are going to go through them quickly. If you do hear anything you want to have more information on, I will have the links to each sourced news article in the show notes. So, Uh, You can definitely go there and click on the link and it'll take you to where I found the article and you can have some more information. Additionally, the very first topic, the revised EV tax credit, is something that I'm going to do a deeper dive into, but I'm going to wait until after the 18th of this month because that's when the new rules go into effect and there is still some, um, the best way of putting it, shuffling by the automakers about which vehicles will qualify for full credit and which will qualify for half and which might not qualify at all. So I'm waiting a little bit to get some more information and also understand it a little bit better for myself. And depending on how detailed I get with that, I might make it its own episode. So for today, we're just kind of doing a brief overview. That being said, let's get right to it. The new EV tax credit has definitely been a source of confusion ever since it was introduced, even last year when it was first announced. And now that the Treasury Department has released its provisions on battery sourcing and mineral requirements, it seems like the confusion has just been exacerbated. Even people that work in the industry still haven't quite gotten a grasp on it all. And that's because things keep changing. The purpose of the federal EV tax credit is very clear, however, and that is to encourage manufacturers to build, assemble, manufacture electric cars here in North America using batteries that are manufactured using minerals and components from here in North America, as well as approved countries. But what is an approved country? Well, that's the part that has been changing a lot recently, and it seems like every day I check, it's changed. The U.S. has just concluded an agreement with Japan regarding battery minerals, and it seems like it's close to doing the same with the European Union. So if those get approved, then any battery mineral sourcing from Japan or the EU will allow uh, a qualifying vehicle to meet the requirements for that part of the EV tax credit. It does seem, however, that the one country that is excluded and will continue to be excluded is China, and that extends to Chinese companies as well. And honestly, that seems to be one of the bigger points to the whole tax credit to begin with, reducing and eventually eliminating the reliance on China for EVs and battery materials and components. Next, GM is going to stop offering Apple CarPlay and Android Auto on its future vehicles, instead partnering with Google to co-develop a proprietary system. The 2024 Chevy Blazer EV will be the first to get this 
change, but other EV models will follow. GM will not remove CarPlay from any of its gas-powered models, which it only plans to build until 2035. And it's not as though EVs need CarPlay integration or Android Auto to succeed in sales, just ask Tesla. But the reason for the reduction in vehicle capability is, in GM's view, actually an expansion of vehicle capabilities. GM says it intends to remove CarPlay from new EVs because its vehicles need better integration between the navigation system and the rapidly growing network of chargers to help out EV drivers. GM has been developing its own built-in infotainment system in collaboration with Google since 2019. But after looking around and reading more on this, I suspect that GM is doing this so that they can monetize certain subscription features like Tesla does with their $10 a month subscription to be able to include uh, the satellite version of the maps and uh, other features, including Spotify and some other things. I think GM is probably going to be doing the same thing. GM's CEO, Mary Byer, has said that she expects 20 to $25 billion in annual subscription revenue by 2030. So I'm just thinking outside the box a little bit and kind of connecting the dots, and it definitely seems like this might just be a money grab by the company. The future of electric Jeeps is bright. The company has shared details about its third variation of the Magneto concept, which will likely become the new all-electric Wrangler when it is ready for production. Peak torque is said to top out at 900 foot-pounds, and under a maximum power mode, it could put out 650 horsepower. It's also packed with features including an air ride suspension that is height adjustable, various levels of regenerative braking, and an aggressive hill descent mode. Jeep is getting serious about going electric, and personally, I couldn't be more excited to see what the final production version brings to the table. We already know that the Jeep 4xe is the best Jeep they've ever made, and that's a plug-in hybrid. So if they're going all electric, I can only imagine what they're going to be capable of doing. The first all-electric vehicle from Lamborghini is not going to be a crossover or SUV like originally thought, but likely a 2 plus 2 GT, looking like a mix between the Mira and a modern-day Ferrari or the Ford GT. Much less angular than their recent vehicles, possibly because of the need to be much more aerodynamically efficient in order to maximize range. That's just my best guess, but the design is a departure from some of the company's more recent models that are very, very angular and sharp. So it got me thinking about why would they go back to a rounder or rounded shape. Lamborghini isn't ready to discuss vehicle specifics, but certainly we'll be ready to hear all about it when they're ready to spill the beans. And this next story is really interesting. LG Innotech, a unit of the battery supplier and electronics giant LG, has introduced a wireless battery management system, or BMS, and it claims it's going to boost EV range. A wireless setup would eliminate lots of physical hardware, such as the wires and connectors, and improve efficiency, as they claim. This could save up to 198 pounds of vehicle weight and free up 10 to 15% of battery pack space, allowing for greater flexibility in battery design, according to the company, which claims to have seen improvements of up to 12 miles in EV range. Reduction of cables and connectors also removes potential failure points and makes packs less complicated to assemble. 
potentially allowing for higher degrees of automation in vehicle assembly. The company believes that these attributes will soon have automakers switching to wireless battery management systems and, of course, ideally using theirs. Ryder announced this past Monday that they have plans to add 4,000 Bright Drop all-electric delivery vans to their fleet through 2025. The Zevo 600 and Zevo 400 electric vans boast a range of up to 250 miles on a full charge and can support a payload of about 2,000 to 3,400 pounds. With Zevo's 600 capacity of over 600 cubic feet and the Zevo 400, as you might guess it, just over 400 cubic feet, Bright Drop's electric vans offer the benefits of an electric powertrain with plenty of cargo room in the back. Ryder plans to deploy model year 2023 Zevo 600 vans in its rental fleet initially in California, Dallas-Fort Worth, and New York City later this year. The new 2024 Zevo 600 and 400 models for lease and rental customers are expected to be available as early as summer and into the first quarter of next year. It's good to see Bright Drop secure this deal. This is one space, the last mile delivery space, that absolutely needs electrification desperately. Ford has raised the pricing of the F-150 Lightning EV pickup truck again, this time by an additional $4,000, now putting the price almost 50% higher than since the truck's launch. The company cites higher raw material costs as the reason behind the increase in price, that doesn't seem to be affecting demand, though. Ford has announced plans to drastically increase F-150 Lightning production, saying it can produce three times the number of the popular truck than it originally planned to build. The Biden administration announced this week plans to update its charging station locator tool and provided updated numbers on EVs and chargers being deployed by federal agencies. The tool is part of the Alternative Fueling Station Locator, or AFSL, kept up by the Department of Energy. It will soon include the charging cost and charging speed or power output for each publicly accessible charger, the White House has said in a press release. And this should be useful not only to just EV owners who use the tool, but also those who use the specialized tools and apps that use the Alternative Fuel Station's API as a building block. Aptera is getting creative again, with their sourcing of innovative ideas for their three-wheeled solar electric vehicle. In a recent announcement, they shared intent to use OpenPilot to handle basic level two autonomous features for the vehicle that include lane keeping assist or lane centering, adaptive cruise control, and forward collision warning. OpenPilot is a creation of Kama.ai and utilizes state-of-the-art machine learning to learn how humans drive. It is an end-to-end -end system, meaning that camera data is sent into the driver model and a driving path is sent to the vehicle. This allows the system to adapt to many nuances of the road that humans react to every day, such as moving away from semi-trucks on the highway or staying correctly positioned on roads with no lane lines. As the system improves, Aptera vehicles will be able to take exits and suggest lane changes to follow the navigation route. Aptera is currently working on the details of how OpenPilot will be integrated into the vehicles. Several validation steps are planned to be completed, leading up to the start of the production of its launch edition vehicles. And just in case that it's not quite ready by the time production starts, Aptera does say that they are going to deliver an OpenPilot-capable vehicle and then ship compatible hardware post-delivery that can be installed by the customer in less than 30 minutes. 
Lastly, for the brief news segment of this episode, Mullen Automotive has announced plans to rebrand the Chinese-made Kiantu K50. This is a car I briefly talked about on the podcast a long time ago, actually, in episode 12. So if you're brave enough to uh, deal with the audio quality and journey all the way back to that episode, I do go over some details about it. For this partnership now between Mullen and Kiantu Motors, the vehicle will be sold as Mullen GT and GTRS models. Few details at this point about the rebranded car have been shared, but Mullen, the California company, says it is targeting a sub two second zero to 60 and a top speed of more than 200 miles an hour. I can't wait to get pricing details and more information. And as always, when I hear more, I'll share it with you all. So that is it for the news, but I'm going to go over the question of the week in the EV resource hotline segments right after this. Do you own a business and want to reach EV owners and people interested in electric vehicles? EV Resource is welcoming businesses nationwide, both big and small, to become advertising partners with us across all platforms. The EV Resource podcast, magazine, YouTube videos, social media, and our webpage. For more information, please email Zach at hello at ev-resource.com. All right. Thanks for sticking around. The question of the week is where I pose a question to you all. And in return, you can share your thoughts. And each time I post a poll on the EV Resource Patreon page. The last time I had asked about Lucid Motors asking, would Lucid benefit from incorporating their awesome, incredible powertrain technology into a smaller downmarket vehicle that is much less expensive? Maybe the thirty-five to $65,000 range. Two-thirds of you said yes, they would. Chris Lawrence commented, quote, diversification has worked for other organizations. Think small, simple, and affordable, end quote. Charles Hall thinks otherwise, saying, quote, if you can't make a handful of luxury cars, you probably can't make a lot of cheap cars either, end quote. And Rajiv Narayan suggested they might have trouble here in the U.S. if they have to compete with Tesla, but that more successful EVs have been at a higher or lower price point than Tesla's vehicles. So thank you, as always, to those who participated in the poll and those who left comments and thoughts. For the question of the week this time around, I'm curious, actually, about what you think about GM ending Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. This is such a popular feature with modern vehicles. Do you think GM is making a mistake? Or do you think they know their buyer and they're making the best move forward? And I am also going to add a third choice to the poll that focuses on the potential reasoning behind the move by GM, as I suspect with no real solid evidence, but it's just my suspicion that it's a money grab for future feature subscriptions. Obviously, having that third option on the poll complicates it a little bit, but I don't mind and I'm curious to see what you think. So if you want to participate, head over to patreon.com slash EV resource and vote, leave a comment, and I will read it out on a future episode. As a reminder, you do not have to be a current patron of EV resource, but you will need to register for a free Patreon account in order to participate. On then to the EV resource hotline segment. This is your chance to be featured on the podcast. All you have to do is call in and leave me your EV question, comment, or discussion topic. It's super easy to do this. Simply use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your message, and do please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less, and then email that file to me at hello at ev-resource.com. This week, we've got a question from Theo asking for some advice on choosing between two plug-in vehicles. Take it away, Theo. Hello. I reserve 
Terra. And it finally is stateside as of today, actually. Uh, in the meantime, while I was waiting for it, I put a reservation on a uh, Volvo S60 recharge uh, hybrid, actually. And I'm having trouble deciding which to keep any advice. Thank you for calling in, Theo. I'm happy to do my best with this for you. This is going to be hard for me to address, though, without more information about your specific vehicle needs and driving habits. But I'm happy to compare the Subaru Solterra and the Volvo S60 Recharge plug-in hybrid and go over some of the benefits and drawbacks of each. Pricing is comparable between the two vehicles. The base Solterra EV does start at roughly $5,000 less, but it would not come equipped with all the features and tech that would be similar to what is found on the Volvo. So I'm actually going to compare the Touring trim of the Solterra, which is priced at the same $51,000 as the Volvo S60. The Subaru, of course, is all electric, and therefore you would benefit from all of the things that EVs are known for, specifically reduced fueling and maintenance costs, as well as the ability to fast charge using the CCS-DC fast charging networks. The Solterra is not the quickest charging EV, but if you don't take that many longer trips, that likely isn't going to be an issue if you can charge at home or work. The Subaru will cost you less over time, and that is easily the biggest benefit. Where it lacks compared to the Volvo is going to be the driving experience if you like power and have a more spirited driving style. The Volvo has 455 horsepower and 523 pound-feet of torque. It is a plug-in hybrid, so it can go roughly 40 miles or so on all-electric power. And I am a huge fan of how Volvo has tuned their vehicles for a punchy power delivery that, at least for me, puts a big smile on my face every time I drive them. I personally find them to be very enjoyable. So the Volvo is definitely for somebody who likes driving sometimes fast and would definitely be more performance-oriented. The Subaru would be the best choice for people who want a smooth ride and lower operating and running costs. So I'm not sure exactly what to uh, recommend for you specifically, but I hope that this brief answer will help with your decision. And it's a, a great problem to have. I mean, those are both very good vehicles and whichever one you do end up choosing, I know that you're going to be happy with it. If anybody else has a question, comment, or discussion topic that you want to have featured in a future episode, go ahead and send that in to me using the method that I had mentioned at the top of this segment. Before I end the episode, I want to thank our Patreon supporters. These individuals have chosen to support my efforts with a small monthly financial contribution and in return get many perks and benefits of being part of this really special exclusive club. Um, okay, it's not that special or exclusive, but hey, you know, whatever we need to do to make it sound better. Uh, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while and feel that I have earned the right to any financial uh, support from you, then I would encourage you to go to the Patreon page and take a look at the tiers and consider joining. They start at $5 a month and it does make a big difference to me. And I've really enjoyed the one-on-one -on -one conversations I've had over the past month with everybody that did sign up for time for that. And I'm looking to do something like that again later this year. 
Uh, I'm not going to do it for the second quarter, but I haven't decided what I'm going to do as a bonus benefit for anybody in the second quarter. So um, I'll think on that some more and let you know if you guys want to recommend any benefit that you would prefer, then feel free to let me know. Uh, Obviously, I'm here for you. I especially want to thank the wonderful supporters at the director tier, Rajiv Narayan and Andy Cooper. Chris Lawrence is at the executive producer tier and Alan Michael and Charles Hall support at the producer tier. And thank you to all of the fine people who choose to support me and EV Resource. Even if you're not assigned to a specific tier, you can choose a custom amount and many people have chosen to do that. If you don't feel quite up to contributing via Patreon, there are a couple other ways that I would encourage you to support the show and support companies and organizations that help make it possible. Uh, Instead of mandatory membership fees or paywalls, I do use advertising and affiliate connections to keep the EV Resource podcast and the magazine and the newsletter and everything that I'm doing free for all of you. I never want to charge for access to the content. So I really would encourage you to check out the full listing of organizations, deals, coupon codes, everybody that I have affiliate connections with through the ev-resource.com slash deals page. And then I'm also an Amazon affiliate and have on the webpage a growing collection of products that I've searched and found on Amazon that I feel like would add value to the typical EV owner or enthusiast. You can find that on the webpage under the shop section. And I've also added a few merch items that I'm trying to uh, explore and design and see what I can put up there. Uh, As always, I invite your feedback via email to hello at ev-resource.com. And that'll end it for this podcast. So thank you so much for being with me and I'll see you next time.